everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'd like to dive into a topic that can be really confusing for a lot of us as we navigate our relationship with Christ, and it's the concept of how to identify idolatry in our lives. A lot of times when we read the Ten Commandments, we read scripture, and we hear about idolatry, it's easy to, th- to think that Idols are golden statues in fancy temples that we bow down to. And so you kind of think, well, as long as I'm not bowing down to a physical statue of an idol, I don't have idolatry in my life. But over the past 10 or 15 years, God has really pressed this issue deeper for me. As I've studied scripture and grown deeper in my relationship with Christ, I've come to realize that an idol is not just a statue that you bow down to. It's anything or anyone that takes a higher position than Jesus Christ in our heart and in our life. Anything that claims more of our devotion, more of our affection than he does. Our God is a jealous God, and he wants our entire heart, not just part of our heart. It's so easy to try to fit him into our lives rather than build our lives around him. And in Ezekiel, he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And then in Luke 4, 8, it says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the Bible is very clear that we are not to just sort of fit God into our lives, but he is to become the center point of our focus, our attention, and our worship. I love Psalm 8611 because it's so clear on how to remove idolatry from our lives. The psalmist says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And idolatry, when we have hopes and affections that are divided between Christ and maybe other things that we're holding on to really tightly in our lives, we aren't able to truly seek him with an undivided heart. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. So when we have idolatry in our life, we may say or even believe that Jesus Christ has our whole heart, but in reality, we're placing our hopes and our affections in pursuits or people or things outside of him. It could be health, money, romance. It could be a number of different things that we cling to. Scripture is very clear. When we become slaves to our desires, our agenda, our dreams, our health goals, our financial goals, our romantic pursuits, or anything else, we cannot be the servants of Christ. We cannot serve him with an undivided heart. So often, I think, we as Christian women can stand in worship services and sing things like, you are my all in all, all the while our minds are preoccupied with thoughts of a relationship or a career opportunity or a desire that's being uh, delayed or unfulfilled in our lives and, and just our own discontentment. How often is our identity far more wrapped up in our desires, our achievements, our possessions than it is in the simple, glorious reality that we are daughters of the King? Have you ever had this thought, if only I could, and then fill in the blank, could be get married, make more money, lose weight, have more friends, do something exciting, and so on, then I would be happy and I would make Jesus my number one focus. It's easy to think we're going to make God first, put him first, once all of these other things finally happen in our lives. We ask God to give us the desires of our heart, but when we have that attitude, we're forgetting that he should always be the chief desire of our heart. 
Idolatry can sneak into our lives in a lot of different ways. When the gaze of our soul does not remain fixed upon Jesus Christ, then even good desires, things like taking care of our health, waiting for a godly spouse, cultivating friendships, can be morphed and twisted into unhealthy preoccupations before we've even realized what has happened. A simple intention to eat right can turn into a fixation with health. A God-given longing for marriage can become an obsessive need to find a guy. And a healthy desire for friendship can become an addiction to approval and popularity. Often, the biggest threats to seeking Christ with an undivided heart are not overtly sinful things, things that you would maybe necessarily immediately think of. Sometimes they are good and God-given desires that subtly start to claim too much of our focus and attention. So how do you know if something has become an idol in your life? Here are a few of the common warning signs. First of all, you can't imagine giving it up. You may think things like this. If I don't eat health food, I'll die an early death. Or if I can't listen to my favorite music every day, I'll be miserable and depressed. Or if I don't get married, life won't be worth living. So you begin to build your whole entire happiness and sense of fulfillment around such and such happening. And you can't imagine giving up that thing or that dream or that pursuit. Another warning sign is that you spend more time and energy on that area of your life than you do on your relationship with Christ. Maybe you spend eight hours each week on movies or on social media, but maybe only 10 minutes in prayer or studying God's word. Or maybe you invest the majority of your time and energy into a relationship or the pursuit of a relationship, and you have very little time left over to seek Christ or to share him with others. As much as we don't like to admit it, the areas that claim the majority of our spare time are often those that have the biggest hold on our heart. Another warning sign is that you may find more delight and happiness in that area of your life than you do in your relationship with Christ. I remember very clearly when prayer and time in God's word more felt like a duty for me. It wasn't something that I delighted in or looked forward to. And I would delight in watching movies. I would delight in doing things that had to do with earthly entertainment, but I wasn't delighting in him or in being in his presence. And that was one of the clues for me that Hollywood entertainment had gained an unhealthy place in my life because I found more delight in that than I did in my relationship with Christ. Now, it's not wrong if earthly things bring us to a certain level of comfort or happiness, but Jesus must always remain our deepest source of satisfaction. A great way to determine whether you're finding your fulfillment in Christ is to ask the question, if this area of my life was suddenly stripped away from me, would Jesus be enough? That can be a really challenging question to grapple with, but it's just a great way to reveal what is really in our hearts. If I didn't have this, would Jesus be enough for me? Maybe you've heard me share the story of the pastor who was put into solitary confinement for a year because of his faith in Christ. This was in a persecuted nation. Every comfort was taken away from him, but he still had everything that he needed in Christ alone. He wasn't attempting to serve Christ while also serving his appetite, his cravings, his ambitions, and his whims. His heart was only fixed on one thing, his relationship with Jesus Christ. And he triumphed through that really difficult time because he had an undivided heart. 
Sabina Warmbrandt was a young pastor's wife during the communist invasion of Romania in 1939, and she and her husband Richard founded the Voice of the Martyrs Ministry. Her book and her testimony has been such an inspiration to me over the years. She had a very happy and secure life with her husband and her young son, but one day she was forced to make a decision of what was really more important to her, her marriage and family or Jesus Christ. She and her husband Richard sat in a meeting led by communists, and they listened as many pastors and Christians blaspheme the name of Christ out of fear of government officials that were sitting there in the front row. Her heart broke as Christ's name was being dishonored, and she said to Richard, will you not speak up and wipe the spit from the face of Jesus? He told her, if I do, they may kill me and you will be without a husband. And she boldly replied, I'd rather be married to a dead man than a coward. Or another version that I've heard says, I don't need a coward for a husband. But either way, she was very, very bold to give him the confidence that he needed to stand up and speak truth, even though he knew it might cost him his life and she knew it might cost her ability to have a happy and secure life with her husband and son. She loved her husband, but she loved Jesus Christ even more. And she was willing to sacrifice even to the point of pain to make sure that Jesus Christ was not dishonored. Her decision to encourage Richard to speak boldly that day resulted in his imprisonment and torture for 10 years. And she herself was in prison for several years and went through horrific and abusive situations. They suffered years of poverty and persecution because they were willing to put Jesus Christ higher than their own comforts and security. And yet they came out on the other side with joy and triumph because Jesus was in his rightful place. Countless Christians through the ages and in persecuted countries all over the world today are making astounding personal sacrifices, even giving up their very lives in order to put Jesus first. If these men and women are willing to give up everything in order to serve only one master, Jesus Christ, can we not do the same? If we're not cultivating an undivided heart towards Christ right now in our areas of daily living, such as food, money, and relationships, then how can we expect to keep our gaze fixed on him when greater trials and sufferings come? I'd like to get specific and make this practical for you because if you would like to remove idolatry from your life and gain an undivided heart towards Christ, that is a step of obedience that God is willing to help us with and give us the grace for. Here are a few areas of life that you can prayerfully take before him and examine and say, Lord, do I have idolatry in this area of my life? The first one is self-indulgence. Now, if you live in America, we live in one of the most self-indulgent and comfortable and well Wealthy nations in history. Even those of us who don't feel wealthy by the standards around us still have more than most people around the world and most people throughout history have had. Few people on earth have ever had so many food choices, leisure opportunities, and ways to indulge our physical cravings. Just think about it. If you feel like a hot fudge sundae, you can just drive down the road to your local Dairy Queen. If you want a juicy steak, you just have to find a steakhouse that's nearby. If you want to get pampered, there's usually a spa right around the corner. If you want a beach getaway, you can hop online to book your tickets. If you want a caffeine fix, there's trendy coffee shops everywhere. The list goes on and on. It's so easy to indulge ourselves and we're encouraged by advertisers to do this. Like The attitude is go ahead, treat yourself, you deserve it. Now the danger is not in enjoying these comforts, but in letting our physical cravings lead and control us. The Bible warns against making our appetite our God in Philippians 3.19. And Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. 
Most of us in the modern Western world don't think twice about self-indulgence because it's the norm. But God asks us to put a harness on our physical cravings so that self-indulgence does not become an idol in our life. When we become slaves to our appetites, we cannot become the undivided servants of Jesus Christ that we're called to be. So again, it's not wrong to find pleasure in the comforts of this life. Good food, physical rest, fun, refreshing activities, entertainment, none of those things are wrong in themselves. But if we can't live without our favorite cereal or our daily Starbucks fix, and we indulge every craving without restraint, and when personal comforts get in the way of our ability to seek Christ with an undivided heart or serve others, that's when we know we've allowed the idolatry of self-indulgence to creep in. Another area to look at is worldly entertainment. Leonard Ravenhill once said, American Christians have settled for a counterfeit peace and a counterfeit joy, and their names are entertainment and professional sports. That statement was so convicting and revealing for me because I've seen how so many of us build our lives around entertainment. For many of us, things like music, magazines, novels, social media, and professional sports consume the vast majority of our free time. But worldly entertainment can easily distract us from Christ and keep us focused on the temporal instead of the eternal. And for so many of us, it has become a form of idolatry. I know this is something I definitely struggled with a number of years ago, and God had to really put his finger on it, showing me that if I was involved in participating in the ungodly preoccupations of the culture, becoming addicted to those things, it was going to be impossible for me to seek him with an undivided heart. And the Bible is pretty clear about these things. In 1 John, it says, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of of the world. Now, if you spend five minutes watching a modern TV show or a series of commercials, it's easy to realize that worldly entertainment is built upon the gospel choking pitfalls warned against in scripture, the lust of the flesh. And we always hear messages. Here's a new way to indulge your physical cravings. If we're watching TV or media of any kind, the lust of the eyes, look at this beautiful new car or gadget or thing. Don't you want this? And the pride of life, which is it's all about me. And so often those are the messages that are coming through Hollywood entertainment in the media. But we so easily justify our preoccupation and obsession with these things, thinking that we're somehow immune to God's warning against them because maybe we're mature enough to separate the garbage from the good. We need to learn how to view the shallow attractions of this world the way God sees them, as worthless and meaningless and empty. No matter how much glitz and artistry Hollywood may use to dazzle our senses and draw our attentions, if it does not glorify God and draw us closer to him, it is going to be dangerous to our souls. So our attitude towards pop culture needs to echo that of the psalmist when he said, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider any areas of entertainment that have become unhealthy addictions in your life. Look at areas like music, movies, television shows, sports, novels, etc. Ask God to show you if any of these things need to be removed or if you need to put boundaries around them and what activities could be put in their proper place. For instance, could you watch an edifying movie every once in a while instead of watching all kinds of movies two or three nights a week? That's just one example. And it's going to look different for everyone because what your 
your tripping point is may not be the same as mine. Ask God to show you specifically the areas that are tripping you up in idolatry in this area of entertainment and ask him for the grace to change your habits in order to be fully consecrated to him in this area of your life and make these decisions out of love for him, not out of legalism or obligation or some kind of self-righteous statement towards other Christians in your life who might not share your standards. Another key area is health, fitness, and beauty. Even though scripture makes it clear that life is more than food, it's all too easy to believe otherwise. If we don't fall into the trap of self-indulgence in our eating habits, sometimes we lean far too much in the other direction, exalting health and fitness and beauty above all things and placing our hope in those things instead of in Jesus Christ. If health and fitness and beauty has claimed too much of your focus, or if it has been a focus for the wrong reasons, prayerfully consider what steps God might be asking you to take in order to change this pattern. Allow him to gently show you any ways in which you've been leaning on your healthy habits or your beauty routine instead of on him for your strength and peace. And then take steps of obedience as he asks you to, whether it means relaxing more about the food you eat or spending less time obsessing over your appearance or what you look like or less time at the gym and more time building the kingdom of God. Another key area to look at is marriage and family. One of the most baffling statements that Jesus ever made was, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So the same Bible that tells us to honor our father and mother and respect our husband and love our children seems to be saying that we cannot follow Christ unless we, quote, hate our own family members. So what exactly does this mean? Once again, God is reminding us not to place anything above Jesus Christ, even those good and perfect gifts that he gives us, such as our families. It's obvious from the rest of scripture that he doesn't want us to hate our families in the classic sense in a spiteful, sinful way, but it's also clear that we are never to put a higher priority on marriage or on family than we do on Jesus Christ. Now, if you're single, this form of idolatry can sometimes start even before you meet your future husband. You may believe that you'll only be happy when you finally meet your Prince Charming and settle down in a cute home with a white picket fence, which is something that I really struggled with. And it's tempting to fall into that trap of of delaying your happiness until marriage finally comes along. Or if you're married already, it's tempting to cling tighter to your husband and children than you do to Jesus Christ. God calls us to love our husbands and children, but he calls us to love Jesus Christ even more. If we ever need to make a choice between God or family, we need to choose the same path that Sabina Wormbrandt chose. Our security and identity needs to come first and foremost from Jesus Christ rather than from our marriage and family. So if marriage and family or the hope of marriage and family has claimed more of your affection and focus than Jesus Christ, then ask God to change your heart. Surrender this area of your life to him and remember where the deepest source of fulfillment is truly found in him. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. There may be areas of idolatry in your life beyond the things that we've talked about in this episode. Prayerfully ask God to reveal anything you're clinging to or finding your security in outside of him. If Christ feels distance, if the word of God seems empty, and if your Christianity feels flat, then more than likely your heart is divided from him because of idolatry. A key part of becoming a set-apart woman for Christ is forsaking all other lovers and embracing an undivided heart for Christ. When you truly make Jesus the focus of your life and you're all in all, then you'll no longer wallow in disillusionment towards God or wonder what's really special about the Christian life. You will experience the joy, peace, happiness, and fulfillment that he promises in his word, even in the darkest of circumstances. 
I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. For more about removing idolatry and making Christ the focal point of your life, please visit our website, setapartgirl.com, and explore the many resources that we have, online courses and a print magazine. There are loads of things there to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.